Good group of young people here this morning. It's great to see that. If you're visiting with us again, as we mentioned, we're so grateful to have you. Psalm 100. Statistics, anyway, if you listen to Disney, statistics tell us that only one in seven dwarves is happy. Let me say that again, okay? Now stay with me. One in seven dwarves is happy, okay? Now, I don't know about you, but for me, the worst person to be around is one that complains about everything and one that appreciates nothing. This week, we carry out a tradition as old as this nation itself. In 1621, Plymouth colonists and Wampanoag, they shared the fall harvest that today is known as the first Thanksgiving. For more than two centuries, uh, days of Thanksgiving were, were celebrated by individual colonies and states. Then in 1863, in the midst of the Civil War, President Abraham Lincoln proclaimed a national Thanksgiving Day to be held each November. He said this, and I quote, It has seemed to me fit and proper that God should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged, as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to be set apart and observe the last Thursday of November as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our benef ben ben hard word, beneficent, <laughs> beneficent father who dwells in heaven. Now, uh, it's a blessing to hear a president say that, first of all, isn't it? Makes you feel sorry for the atheist who has no one to thank. We have someone to thank today. Now, in today's politically correct environment, we're told we have to be careful not to offend, and so we have to be, uh, I, I think of one report handed in by a fourth grader talking about the first Thanksgiving, and this is what she wrote. The pilgrims came here seeking freedom of you-know-what. When they landed, they gave thanks to you-know-who. Because of them, we can worship each Sunday, you-know-where. I'm not afraid to say I thank God for everything that we have today and that God's blessed us with. Thank you thankful for that. I'm grateful for our freedom. Even as we see some of them slipping away, it's a reminder to us that there is a need to stand and fight for them. But I'm grateful for the freedom that we do have. Our nation is changing at an alarming rate. I don't know if you've heard about McDonald's new special Joe Biden menu. Have you seen that? You order anything you want, the guy behind you has to pay for it. Now, I'm just, I'm saying, even though we have our problems, I'm still proud to be an American, amen? Still proud to live and thankful to live in the nation that we do, uh, even though we have some issues. Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. There is food uh, at Thanksgiving, amen? And then there's extended family, uh, friends that we have for the big Thanksgiving meal, which involves food. It's a good thing. Uh, and there's a time to reflect on all the things that we're thankful for, and there's food. Amen. It's a good thing to be thankful. He who is thankful has enough. He who complains has too much. For this Thursday, many people uh, be a day when family gathers together, uh, eats an enormous meal, maybe watch some football on television, and just reflect on being thankful for what, for what God's given us. But I, I hope that it means more to us as God's children than just getting together, eating, and watching football. Hopefully it means a little more to us. 
The truth is, we're to be thankful to God every single day of our lives, not just on this Thursday in November. Now, God goes so far as to say that being thankful to Him is His will for our life. For Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Yet so often we are ungrateful people. Uh, children are ungrateful to parents. People are, are ungrateful to one another. And worst of all, people are ungrateful to God. Uh, there are portions of Scripture that deal with this subject. And this morning, I'm going to look at one This uh, in Psalm 100. I want to read the whole chapter, starting at verse number 1. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his dates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. I want to preach this morning for a few minutes on the password to God's gate. The password to God's gate. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity we have to get into your word this morning, the freedom we have to fellowship with one another while we do it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The title in your Bible probably reads under this psalm, a psalm of praise. It's a plea from the psalmist to the hearts of his readers to look to the Lord and exalt His name and to praise Him. Now, so many of the things we do today require, in our modern age, require a password. When you log onto your computer, it probably requires a password. When you open your phone, uh, many of you have set it to require a password. Uh, online banking requires a password. Uh, you go to uh, your email account, it'll require a password. Uh, and by the way, you know what the most popular password in America is today? Still today. You know what it is. He sells a lot of electronics. What is it? Password. That's right. Password is a bad password. I'm just telling you. Probably should pick something else. But that is the most popular password in America still today. Now, many, many doors to apartments and even homes and businesses today have a little box in which you can put in a code or a password to enter that building. In fact, we have one on our back door of the church here. For some people, when you open the door to your home, you'll have a certain amount of time to enter a password so that your alarm does not go off or to disarm it. In our text today, it mentions the gate of the Lord. The, me the, the, the meaning of the word gate or courts, it primarily points to temple worship, but the word gate here refers to an entrance to space inside, like a marketplace or public meeting place. And yet, even though it, it kind of refers to primarily temple worship and such, I think the reference can be metaphorical as well, referring to God's presence. I think we all agree that we want to enter God's presence. We want to be uh, have God's power on our lives. But it seems to infer here in Scripture, there is a way to get into God's presence. In my mind's eye, I uh, just see a guy banging at a gate. I'd like to enter in, and then that big burly guard on top looking down on him and saying, what's the password? You ever done that to your kids when it's super cold outside? They're trying to come in, you hold the door. What's the password? They had no clue what password. I don't know anything about password. Well, here there's a password. Uh, in the verse 4, we see it. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. 
What is the password? Thanksgiving. That's the password to God's gate. Since this is the week of Thanksgiving, I'd like to take a few minutes and look at these verses here. Try to understand what they teach us about praise to the Lord and being thankful. Can we agree today we ought to be a thankful people? Our entrance into His presence we see first in uh, verses 1 and 2. The psalm opens with issuing a call to worship and praise before the Lord. It tells us how we're to come into God's presence. Nothing brings us into the presence of God like lifting up His name in praise. May God, uh, in, in Psalm 22 verse 3, promises that God will inhabit the praises of His people. He inhabits the praises of His people. When you're praising, He's inhabiting that. That's an interesting concept. Look at the three expressions of praise here that enter, uh, bring us into the presence of God. Enter with shouting. The Bible says, make a joyful noise. That comes from one Hebrew word, which means to shout in triumph or to applause. Uh, vocal praise to God may be out of style in our world today, but it's still trendy with the Lord. He likes to have our praise. When we verbally declare our praise for Him, it glorifies Him and, I believe, brings us into His presence. That's what the Bible says here. May God give us all a shout like He gave the sons of Korah in Psalm 47.1 when they said, Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Thank God we have something to shout about. Amen? Uh, even in the midst of trial or trouble, we have much to praise God for. I'd like to encourage you today to learn to appreciate what you have before time makes you appreciate what you had. Learn to be thankful. Enter with shouting then. Enter with service. We're called to serve the Lord with gladness. We are never to allow our labor for the Lord to become a drudgery. It says to serve with gladness. Galatians 6.9 tells us not to become weary in well-doing. The, uh, the word gladness here literally means mirth or joy. Uh, can you look on your service for the Lord as a cause for rejoicing? You should be able to. We're to serve the Lord with gladness. We're to have joy in our heart as we serve Him. And yet today, the church is filled with Christians walking around with long faces, sour attitudes, looking like they've been drinking pickle juice, and uh, mother-in-law's moved in. All that stuff's happened. And uh, sorry to all the mother-in-laws, okay? I know we have a few here today. <laughs> Nobody look around, okay? Everybody just look straight forward. Uh, but uh, we, we look like we got the misery of the world resting on our shoulders. We ought to be joyful as Christians. The only people, the only creatures with long faces ought to be horses, amen? Let's Christians, let's God's children not have long faces. Serving God is not a chore. Hey, serving God is a privilege. Let's serve Him with gladness. 1 Timothy 1.12, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for He accounted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. He was excited about it, and so ought we all be excited. Enter with shouting, enter with service, and then enter with singing. The word here for singing is renona, the original word. It literally means a ringing cry. It's the same thing the wicked do. And Jeremiah, or I'm sorry, Job chapter 20 verse 5, the Bible says that the triumphing same word that of the wicked is short and the joy of the hypocrite is but for a moment. Hey, the wicked also do a lot of singing and rejoicing. They have the, their American idols, they have their 
dancing with the stars and all those things of the world. The problem is that the world's singing is very short. Every child of God ought to possess a song in their soul and sing the songs of praise unto Him. That's one of the reasons I love the book of Psalms. It's really, it's a song book is what it is. And it has many praises that David and others have sung unto God. Psalm 68, 32. Sing ye unto God, ye kingdoms of the earth. O sing praises unto the Lord, see law. One day our voices won't crack anymore when we sing. Amen? They'll be perfect and we'll sing to God forever. But you want the password to God's gate today, my friend? It's thanksgiving. Come to Him with a thankful heart. Song in your heart. Cicero said this, uh, A thankful heart is not only the greatest virtue, it is the parent of all other virtues. I think there's a lot of truth in that. Then look at the education concerning his person. Verse number three, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. Now, the more that you learn about God, the greater reason you have for praise and adoration. May we never reach the place in our Christian life where we are not amazed at the person of God. We see His power, uh, the creative power of God. We're here because God in His great power made us. Now, if you believe that your ancestors hung from their tails on a tree... That might say something about your ancestors, but mine did not. Amen? Mine were created by the Lord. I, I think of that little girl who asked uh, her mother, uh, where did we come from? And the mom said, well, God created every one of us. started with Adam and Eve. He created Adam and Eve, and then they had children, had children, had children, until you came along. And then they went, she went to her dad says, Dad, where did we come from? And he said, well, it all started with the primary ooze, and he started to talk about how these one-celled, single-celled creatures and worked up through them till the gills and the and then the wings and then the land and then uh, monkeys until the man at the end it comes to us. And so girl's confused, says, goes back to her mom and says, Mom, you lied to me. You said that God created us, but Dad says that uh, we all essentially came from monkeys. And Mom says, well, he's talking about his side of the family. I'm talking about my side of the family. Well, my side of the family was created by God, amen? And uh, praise the Lord for him. He created us. Now, it may be hard for you to look in the mirror and say God makes no mistakes. But God makes no mistakes. And He made each and every one of us. A woman standing looking at a bedroom mirror. She is not happy with what she sees. She says to her husband as she's looking at herself, she says, you know what I see? I see an old woman. She says, I see wrinkles. I see gray hair. She says, I need you to pay me a compliment. He said, your eyesight's pretty near perfect. <laughs> Amen. God made you the way you are, friend. God made you. And, but hallelujah to something greater. Beyond His creative power, we can praise Him for His recreative power. Amen? Because he, we, when we were polluted by sin, when we are sick with the condition of sin, thank God He redeemed us and He made us new. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Wouldn't you agree today, friend, that is ample reason to be thankful. He not only created us, he recreated us if you're a child of God. It is not happy people who are thankful. It is thankful people who are happy. And I encourage you to be thankful. 
We won't only see His power, we also see His purchase. The psalmist says that we are His people. We are His personal possession, according to that verse. We are His because He paid the price to redeem us. He paid the price for us. The Bible says in Titus 2.14, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people. When we were in the bondage of sin, praise God, He came, gave His Son to die for us on the cross and pay the price to set us free. And that way He could redeem us. Really, the word redeem essentially means bought back. But now, it's interesting. I like to dabble a little in the original language. Not that I'm a professional at it by any means. But there's three different words in the New Testament that are translated to the English word redeemed. I'd like to look at them real quickly because they come with some blessings here. In uh, Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, the Bible says, For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood, out of, by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. That word is agorazo. The word, word literally means to buy in the marketplace. That's what Jesus Christ did for you and I. With his blood, he purchased our redemption. And so he can be our savior, having been that perfect sacrifice, dying on the cross for our sins, doing for us what we would never be able to do on our own, work our way to heaven. He has done that for us. And though he purchased us, uh, he redeemed us. Redemption through the blood of Christ, wouldn't you agree, is a reason to be thankful. Secondly, in Galatians 4, 5, to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Buckle up, this gets even better. This word is exagorazo. It means to ransom to take off the market. In other words, Jesus Christ paid the price for us, but even better, we're no longer for sale. Amen? It cannot be undone. When He buys us, He will keep us, and we are His forever. I would say that's a good reason to sing praises to Him. Number three, 1 Peter 1.18. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation, received from the tradition of your fathers. That word translated redeemed is lutroo. This means to release after the payment of the purchase price. It pictures one who buys a slave at a slave auction and then turns him free. That's the picture of that word. This is what Jesus Christ did for us. After he redeems us, he removes us from sale, never to be able to be sold again, and then he sets us free, not free to sin, but free to serve Him. Romans chapter 6 talks about that. Being redeemed from sin to serve Him is a great reason to praise the Lord. Can I tell you today, friend, that serving God unlocks all the rewards and blessings of a life that's lived for Him. Thank God we are His people. Aren't you glad you can be one of His people? He showed us by creating us in His power, by recreating us in His purchase, and then look at his provisions. We are the sheep of his pasture. We're under the protective oversight of the good shepherd. Now, we're going to skip verse 4, come back to that in a minute, but I want to focus our attention on the last verse, here in verse 5. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, his truth endureth to all generations. Let's break those down, each one. Number one, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. God is good. All the time, all the time, God is good. Amen? All the time. Uh, I don't know about all of your pains and your struggles.
No doubt you have them. No doubt in this room today are, 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 are basically represented with people, broken hearts, uh, troubles, and different things. You might plaster on a smile, come to church and greet people, but inside you're hurting and inside you're going through a trial. I don't know all that you're going through, but I do know one thing. God is good all the time. We ought to, uh, some, sometimes God's goodness seem quickly, sometimes it's seen after a long period of time, but we ought to, in the meantime, always count the blessings that we have in God being good. Count your blessings instead of your crosses. Count your gains instead of your losses. Count your joys instead of your woes. Count your friends instead of your foes. Count your smiles instead of your tears. Count your courage instead of your fears. Count your full years instead of your lean. Count your kind deeds instead of your mean. Count your health instead of your wealth. Count on God instead of yourself. Hey, we could make a whole long list of things we can praise God for today and be thankful for today. But Psalm 100 asks us to praise God simply because He is good. He is good. My wife does a lot for me and for my children, my family, and for this church for that matter as well. But I don't love my wife because of what she does. I love my wife because of who she is. You understand the difference there? Uh, because I love her soul. I love her heart. I love her person, not only for what I can get out of it. And the highest form of praise is not for what one does, not loving someone for what they do, but who they are. And that's what God tells us here. The Lord is good. That's something we can depend on. We love Him because He is good. Now, you know what cheapens the word good. If you've ever had a teenage boy. You ever had a teenage boy? We take them to, uh, we, every year we take the teenagers down to youth conference. We go at youth conference, they go to a theme park, they go to a water park, they have great preaching and fellowship with over a thousand other young people. We have a wonderful time and they come home and you ask them, how is the conference? And he says, good. How is camp? Good. That's why we don't send teenage boys to the moon. They would go up to the moon, walk on the surface of the moon, come home, you'd say, Wow, how was it? It was good. But I tell you today, God is good. You know what that word means? Because it may have been cheapened in our society, but let me tell you what this word means. I went to the original word of the word good here and looked it up. Uh, the original word is tov in the Hebrew language. Now, I'm not, I know pastors sometimes get accused of exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating. I can show you later yourself in the Strong's Concordance, if you like, here is the meaning of the word good in this verse. Ready? Pleasant, agreeable, excellent, rich, valuable in estimation, appropriate, becoming, comparatively better, glad, happy, prosperous, good understanding, kind, right, ethical, prosperity, happiness, bounty. God is good. That's, a, that's not a word we don't want to cheapen, amen? God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. And then it says His mercy is everlasting. God's goodness speaks of His character. God's mercy speaks of His nature. Mercy is God's goodness in relation to every one of us because that's really what we need in our life. And God's mercy, the Bible says, is everlasting. It has no beginning. 
and no end. Can I tell you today, friend, because maybe you've been there as I have as well. When you, get, when you feel like you have used up the allotment of His mercy, can I tell you, friend, you'll find an ever-infinite flow of it still coming from God's throne. He is merciful, and His mercy is everlasting. You're not going to exhaust it. God's mercy does not depend on what you do or what you don't do. You can't earn it. There's nothing you can do to deserve it. God's mercy is something that He gives uh, freely. There's nothing you can do, friend, to make God love you more. He loved you so much that He gave His only begotten Son to die for you on the cross of Calvary. His mercy is so great. His love is so free. It is truly infinite. His mercy is everlasting. And can I tell you, friend, be thankful. Be thankful. We, can, we have so much today to be thankful for. And then, He says, His truth endureth to all generations. We can face the future with confidence. Because His truth endureth from one generation to another. God's truth and His faithfulness uh, both spring from His unchanging nature. Numbers 23 verse 19. Uh, God is not a man that He should lie. Hey, man will lie to you, but God will not. He's always truthful. Where can you find a promise that He has not kept? What has He spoken that has not come to pass? Matthew 24, 35. For heaven and earth shall pass away. Uh, but my word shall not pass away. The older I get, the more I realize what I don't know. But one thing I do know, the Lord is good. Actually, I should say three things I do know. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endureth to all generations. Allow God's eternal truth to shine onto you in your circumstances and that will give you a reason to be thankful. Alright, finally, we've looked at our entrance into His presence, our education concerning His person. Now let's go back to verse 4 and we'll look at our expression of His praise. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. Our praise ought to be visible. The psalmist said that we're not to enter His gates with thanks, or we are to enter into His gates with thanksgiving, His courts with praise. This is not to be done in a corner, not hidden from the view of others. There should be no shame attached to our praising of God. Amen? We ought to be willing to do so. Whether it's in a t-shirt or whether you're, uh, whether you're open in front of other people and praising the Lord, that's a good thing. Now, there were some Hebrew worship practices on how they visibly praised the Lord. Uh, there was, number one, there was clapping. Psalm 47.1, read that a minute ago, clap your hands, all ye people shout unto God the voice of triumph. Now, this is not applause, although that's another way that we can uh, praise, but this is talking about a different type of clapping. It's that sudden, loud clap of praise to the Lord. It's reactionary. It shows excitement. Even a little baby figures this out. When they get excited, they might clap once or twice because it's a natural outburst of their joy. And then, <clears throat> another thing they had a habit of is lifting of hands. Psalm 63, 4. This... Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up mine hands in, his, in thy name. Psalm 134, verse 2. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. When hands are lifted to heaven, it is a sign of adoration and praise. It is symbolic of lifting up the Lord and glorifying Him. And then there was dancing in 2 Samuel 6.14. The Bible says, And David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was girded with a linen ephod. 
Now, this is not the type of sensual dancing you see on music videos. I would even go as far to say this isn't the type of sensual dancing you see in a lot of church platforms today either. This isn't what we're talking about. Here, the, it was a little different than our uh, culture might be, but uh, David saw the power of God, and he basically got a case of the happy feet, and he decided that he's going to praise God unashamedly. And the, Lord, and the Bible says he danced. Do you want to see how he danced? Well, Brother Wes, if you'd come up here and demonstrate to the people, if you would. I'm just kidding. Let's not do that, all right? But I'm simply saying, there is nothing wrong with genuine, visible expression of praise and glory to the Lord. You don't have to walk around with your hands up in the air or dancing around like a fool. I'm simply saying you should and certainly can have a smile on your face, amen? I mean, we should have the joy of the Lord in our hearts and our lives. A smile is an inexpensive way to improve your looks. It's the curve that sets things straight. We ought to have a smile on our faces as a Christian. We have much to smile about. I'm simply saying here, your praise should be visible. And then secondly, your praise should be vocal. The psalmist used words here like noise and singing. None of these, neither of these can be done in silence. Noise, if you have noise, it's not silence. You can't do that and be silent at the same time. Noise and singing. True praise to God manifests itself in vocal expression. Now, I understand, even though no one likes your singing, I have an idea God enjoys a joyful noise. Amen? That's what he said. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. That's all some of us can offer. Some of us, uh, you just heard Brother Rich, I love to hear him sing. Got a great voice and always a blessing to my heart. And there's others that are great singers. I'm not that great of a singer, but I can make a joyful noise, amen? Uh, it's joyful only to me, not to anybody who hears it, but that's what he's talking about. Never let anyone steal the shout that God's placed in you. Praise should be vocal. And then the praise should be volitional. It should be an act of the will. God is good. God's mercy is everlasting. God's truth endures. Consequently, it ought to, uh, we ought to make the decision to praise His name, not because of our circumstances. Of course not. Sometimes we've got circumstances we can't praise God for. Things are falling apart in our life, but we don't praise God for that. The Bible says, in everything give thanks, not for everything. And so, despite the bad things in our life, can we still look at heaven and say, God, for you I am thankful because of who you are and not only what you've done. Oh, what a blessing that is. Are you thankful? Are you thankful? Thanksgiving is the password to God's gate. You want God's presence in your life? Be thankful. That's what the Bible tells us. One man put it this way. He said, I praise the Lord with an instrument of ten strings. To explain, he said, I praise God with my two eyes, looking to Him in His Word. I exalt God with my two ears, listening only to His voice. I serve God with my two hands, by working in His harvest fields. I honor God with my two feet, walking the way that He leads. I magnify the Lord with my one tongue, with a testimony to His loving kindness. I worship God with my whole heart, by loving Him above all else. Add it all up. That's an instrument of ten strings. I'm asking today, friend, what are you using your instruments for today? Is it to glorify self? Is it to raise up your, your, uh, your own position in the world? 
or is it to glorify the Lord God who made you? We are at the week of thanksgiving. We have many, many reasons to praise Him and to lift up His name. If we were to begin to write down all of our blessings, there's not a notebook that could hold them all because of how much He's done for us. So let us then, friends, not only this week, as we go into the week of thanksgiving and gorge ourselves and spend time with family, let us not only this week to be thankful to the Lord for what He's done, but let it continue all year. When things are up and when things are down, let us be thankful to God because He is good. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endureth to all generations. Can I encourage you today, friend? Be thankful. Be thankful. Let's every head bow and every eye closed at this time. We're going to give you an opportunity to respond. <coughs> the call today, friend, is very clear. If you're not a Christian, why don't you settle that before you leave today? If you don't know that you know that you know if something happened to you today, you would be in heaven. My goodness, don't leave without settling that. The Bible tells us that we can know that we have eternal life. But what about you, dear Christian? Maybe you, like me, are convicted at the thought of times in your life when you're not thankful as you should be. Maybe today we just need to get on our knees before the Lord and say, God, thank you. Thank you. Would you stand along with me as she begins to play a verse and altars open to you, however the Lord's spoken to you. Maybe that's all it is.